0: Welcome, listeners, to the Thundercast. I'm your host, Connor Sanders, back with some more SUU athletics discussion today. Uh, today, I'm joined by a very special guest, a, a good friend, a good reporter, and a, just an honor to have you on, as always. The St. George Spectrum's very own Chris Kwasinski joins me today. Chris, how are you doing?
1: I am good. Thank you so much for having me on. You do a great job.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to talking to you. It's. I'm not going to lie. This fall has been very sad because we haven't had our uh, traditional meetups at SCU football games.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh... Usually, those are the fun to just kind of sit there and you kind of watch a you watch everything happen from bird's eye point of view, and then you're scrambling afterwards trying to find the post game press conference. Mm-hmm. You're weaving through players, fans, and tripping over stuff, and <laughs> you miss you don't know what you have till it's gone.
0: You really don't. You really don't know until it's it's gone. But hey, we'll have SU football potentially back in the spring, which is part of the reason why I wanted to bring Chris on today. Also. There's been a lot of movement, um, or rumors at least, about movement for SUU, um, and obviously Dixie State is uh, is heavily involved in those rumors as well, so Chris has his pulse on all things St. George sports, so I, I'm, I'm really glad to have you on, but let's start with SUU football. Um, I would say a, about an expected outcome for what we saw in the 2019 season, um, a good team that just had some games get away from him, had some unlucky breaks, but ultimately finishing 3-9 and nine, um, and 2-6 and six in conference play, uh, and then had everything all geared up, uh, training throughout the summer, and then obviously had the season postponed. Um, and then just earlier, actually it was a couple weeks ago now, uh, I saw you had retweeted the Big Sky Commissioner, who had basically said that in the spring we're ha- planning to have uh, a football season. Um, as I understand it, there will be six... that. Big Sky Conference will be divided into two, essentially. And this, I don't even know. There's some kind of... They'll play six games. They'll figure it out somehow. There's no official details. But SU will be playing in the spring. Um, so there's a lot of excitement about that. But when I say SU football in 2021, Chris, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? How does that make you feel?
1: You know, when you say SU football... Um the one thing that i keep thinking of is um you know what's gonna what's gonna happen what's gonna happen first mm-hmm. is su gonna get a break or uh, or is something gonna happen with this coaching staff because yeah. at the end of the day that's that's the thing that i keep thinking of in my in my head at least and i mean because at the end of the day uh coach warren um obviously a good coach taking this team to the playoffs and that kind of stuff but after two down seasons uh, he's He started to make changes, and uh, you, you have, always have to ask yourself in college football, how many changes can you make before people start looking at you maybe being the one you need to change? And I don't believe he should be fired. That's not the case. Yeah, I love him as a head coach. He's a good guy with good players and a good scheme and obviously good defense too, but...
0: I agree. There is some some danger there for Coach Warren this season. The seat is just feeling a little bit more warm than it has been in years past, but... You're right, a lot of things just didn't go their way now they have two new coordinators and things, but um, keep going with the thought you were you were started on.
1: No, but yeah that, that was that was part of it was um, you know it, it stinks because if they do catch that break um, then they' they're, they're four and eight you know they're, they're not three and nine and then they have another win in the resume and the repertoire and they show then the conversation goes. They can't catch a break to, well, at least they can win at home and win the games they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you think about the non-conference games I had last year against it was you know, South Dakota. Oh yeah. Northern Iowa. Like I, like, I don't want to say that they had no chance going in that game, but I mean, when you're coming off a one win season playing top five opponents, I mean, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to assume that you're going to go in and beat a team on the road, but um, you know, that, but that's, but that's just how it goes. And, and that's the thing I was thinking of. Um, maybe they do catch a break this yeah. year. And the one break that I can see that's right there on the schedule is the schedule, you know, yeah. coming in literally in a week or so, you're going to find out who you play. And if they have an easy schedule, you know, that, that sets them up for, for so much, Anything especially happen. depending on what happens at quarterback, what happens with the defense. Mm-hmm. Oh man, there's so much to just consider It all starts with the scheduling.
0: Yeah. And, even in the years that SU won the Big Sky or won a share of the Big Sky Conference title, this is not to take anything away from those because those are obviously special seasons. But the schedules, they didn't have to play Montana in the season that they won the Big Sky Conference. It, it, a lot of it does really come down to scheduling and, and catching breaks. If This whole thing has just made me realize, like, why doesn't the Big Sky Conference divide into two conferences for football? And I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I, I I don't know why that hasn't been that way in years past to have like a conference championship game. You'd assume there'd be some kind of incentive for that, but I don't know. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that you're right. The schedule could be very, very it's favorable for though.
1: them. It's a good point though. I mean, you think about the big 10, they do that. They have shoot. Uh, shoot what's it called? Leaders and legends or whatever. <laughs> no, now it's, it's the West and the East now, but when you think about it, they set up for that championship game. And that's, that's, Fun. No, that's where it's at. You no, know, they have Michigan State, Michigan in the same side of the conference, so they play each other like Montana, Montana State would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could put Weber State, SUU in the same side of the conference, and it, it makes sense. But I know it, at, at the FCS level, there's the playoff, and that really takes center stage and everything, yeah. which is which is why it's understandable.
0: Yeah, and um. We, we'll see. I mean, maybe the whole FCS structure will, I mean, everything just seems so up in the air right now. Um, who knows what, what life's going to look like, um, for not only SUU, but just for FCS football moving forward. We shouldn't try and project too much of that because I, I fear we'll get ahead of ourselves, but, um, I'm really excited to see what, what the schedule looks like because like you say, I think that this is a huge bounce back opportunity for SUU. Um, I think the first thing I think of when I look at this team is looking at bringing in two new coordinators again. Uh, well, not again. This is the first time they brought in two new coordinators, but this is the, I want to say the third or the fourth season in a row that we brought in a new defensive coordinator. But I think mm-hmm. Matt Wade um, proved himself in, at his previous opportunities as a, a capable and um, I think a little more gung-ho uh, offensive mind. I think he's really going to want to give the quarterbacks a chance to, to spray the ball all over the field. Um, and I think the defense has a chance to really up its intensity. And I mean, like you say, you catch a decent break with the schedule. Maybe you get to avoid the Montana schools or don't have to go to Eastern Washington or something. And, and you can sneak a, a few games, maybe even, who knows, maybe SU could even push to, to, <laughs> to win the conference. Who knows? But I, I think that there's a more than anything, there's potential, will potential to build on the successes that they had last season and, and that's all you really want, right? It's just incremental growth. We went from 1-10, which was kind of... I'll call it bottoming out. That's what it felt like to me that season. Um, we moved to 3-9. If we win half of these games, um, does that give you enough of a consolation prize to convince recruits um, to give it another shot in the next cycle? I mean, I think that that, that might be just enough to, to maybe raise some eyebrows for some recruits that might be on the fence a little bit.
1: I, you know, um, frankly... I think we're understating what Coach Warren has done on the recruiting trail so far, Um, and that's something that I I often do all the time because you think about that you know what what kind of recruits are they getting and that kind of stuff and um, and this is a reason why I I I don't like to pin a lot of the failures and a lot of the stuff uh, a lot of the unsuccesses or bad luck whatever you want to call it on Coach Warren because you look at the recruiting class he has this year you talk about Mm -hmm. David Moore uh, a running back out of Colorado who is a three star recruit. Who sign? Uh, I don't want to say a surprise on signing on signing him, but when I saw the kind of player he was and the numbers he put yeah. up at, at high school, I'm thinking that's a weapon. That's a guy you could use right away.
0: Yeah, and
1: not only that, but there's Kobe Singleton, a defensive back that comes in too. I mean, you you lose a couple guys secondary, um, and, and you get Jalen Russell back, especially coming from from injury, and you add a young guy like that's the mix. Yeah. Like that. The, this defense could surprise. The only question I have is, you know, who fills in the linebacker spots after Alex Sims leaves and that kind of stuff and kind of leaves a hole, but, you know, that's that's why you that's why you play the game. Yeah.
0: Um I couldn't agree more. I think we we should definitely t- t- talk about the defense. I think we have set it up sufficiently, but this is this is a make or break it feels like a make or break year to me. Uh this is like a Hey, there's a lot of rumors about us switching conferences. Um President Wyatt has not, as uh, President Scott Wyatt at SU has not been the biggest fan of athletics. You know, SU has something to prove, especially with Dixie getting bigger and stronger, and and, and imposing their potential will on this um, little section snippet of the country. But starting with the defense, I think you're right. There, the linebacking core is one that caught my eye. You lose Alex Sims. Um, you also lose Nilo Tucolo, who was I think the third leading tackler on the team Um, you get guys like Quade Murray uh, back and Aubrey Nellums who who contributed a lot but you're right there is going to be some I don't know if drop-offs right there's going to be a challenge in in replacing that that core of the defense because SU kind of got gashed on the ground last year Uh, I know that they had the best passing yards allowed in the big sky uh, but they also gave up the most rushing yards of anyone in the big sky so Replacing the defensive linemen that that graduated and the production of the the middle linebacking core is definitely going to be a big challenge.
1: Well, I mean, you kind of said it yourself. Is uh, you know, it's I want to say it's a misnomer um, uh, when you talk about the passing yards allowed, but I mean, why would you pass against a team when you could just run for five or six yards a carry on them? Yeah. But, but no, but you bring up a good point, uh, especially with Quade Murray, a guy that was pretty productive last year, yeah. And, and Aubrey Nels too. I mean, that those are two guys that are coming back as starters and can really solidify themselves as those go-to guys on defense. But that last linebacker spot, I know, is up for grabs, and, and that's the one I'm looking at. And they have a couple freshmen that could come in and fill in there, um, maybe get some early playing time, do a rotation kind of a thing, or they could just shift up the defense as a whole, you know, go with one less linebacker spot and get some of those young athletic defensive backs more playing time, especially in, in a pass-happy mm-hmm. league like the Big Sky. Um, I mean, obviously, you got teams like Montana, Weber State that like to ground the ball out. But when you have Sac State, Eastern Washington, uh, those guys like to chuck the ball. You know, why not go out and see how you can defend with those new young athletes that you have on, on your roster? And um, but that's also another thing is you lose guys like Kevin Thompson from Sac State. You know, great quarterback, a guy mm-hmm. that who can go in and just dominate a game. Some uh, on their own roster, but. Um, and I, again, that also depends on the scheduling. You know, if they get a guy like if they or if they play a team like Sac State that loses a lot of players, or NAU that lost Chase Cookus and that kind of yeah. stuff too, like that's that's your break when you can play a team that lost a lot of players like that. And it, it all comes down to it. I, you know, it, it's interesting when you talk about the defense for a unit that's kind of struggled the last couple of years. But uh, when you talk about the players finally getting healthy, kind of getting right, Greg Rogers is a guy that I'm looking at on the defensive mm-hmm. line you want to talk about someone who has the ability to change a game. He was a four-star recruit going to UCLA for a reason. Yeah. No, he's a guy that if he wants to come in and solidify himself here as, as a dog in the big sky, like, now is a good time to do it, especially if you can get games against those teams that have lost a lot of players. It's just, it is, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, and it, frankly, it gets me excited. I love thinking about that kind of stuff, especially when you see players kind of step up and maybe freshmen coming in and taking the role, and that's what college football is all about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um they need they need to generate pressure on the quarterback. That's over and over last year we we lamented that that the quarterback's just either had too much time to pick a pass out or they could escape and go for a little 6 to 8 yard scamper pretty much every time. Um this is terrible, terrible idea, but I'm just looking at the teams in the Big Sky Conference just wondering, you know, trying to get into the head of the commissioner here. What is he thinking? What's the What's the setup? What's the approach? I I have to think the SCU will be partnered with Northern Arizona in pretty much any scenario. Um, Absolutely. And Weber State, right? You know you're going to have those two in one of the the six team pools or whatever. Um, who else? That's the question. If they end up with you know Idaho State, Idaho, you got to like your your odds in in a matchup like that. But you have those really strong teams like from Washington, like UC Davis It's always good. Cal Poly always gives a really tough game. You're right. There's a lot of until we know what the full schedule is, maybe we'll have to do like a full schedule reveal podcast. It's hard to project, but that's priority number one. If I was if this was my Madden franchise, um, <laughs> definitely start working on development on the defensive line to try and generate franchise. some more pressure
1: to Madden franchise like you're running team I love that I love that but no it's the perfect it's the perfect comparison as you think about it um and and I mean if you want to talk about Madden franchise too you can set your own schedule there but uh, (laughs) it's uh I think it's also interesting when you when you think of it that way especially the schedule setting way um what what is what does the commissioner do here I mean do you want to Uh, give SUU a little benefit of the doubt, a little bit of a break, saying, hey, I heard you're talking about moving. Why would you do that when you can play this schedule right here? And It gives them NAU, gives them Sac State, gives them a lot of teams that lost a lot of players, gives them a better opportunity to win. Uh, Maybe throw Weber State in there, too, just to keep things honest and say, well, what are you talking about? We're not giving them a benefit of the doubt. Or, on the flip side, you can say, hey, you're leaving here. Here's Montana. Montana State. Here's Weber State. Here's the the top six teams of the conference. So you want to go out here? You go out zero and six. Have fun. Exactly. But, That's uh, the alternative. I don't think. I don't think he's. I don't think the commissioner is that petty.
0: No. 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 But it would be hilarious. I, I think
1: it's interesting to think about. It. Oh, be, both ways. Both ways is hilarious to think about. But I don't
0: think, <laughs> they're like, you know. oh, you guys are thinking about moving? Well, we'll send you off looking as absolutely terrible as we can. Um, I don't think that they would do that. I think it'll all come down to travel costs and things like that, right, that we haven't even started to consider yet. Um, I don't mean to keep harping on the same point, but I think the team only had 14 and a half sacks last season. And I think that Aaron Romero got three of them in one game. Um, so sacks are going to be tough to come by, uh, or, or they were last season. But you get guys like Bishop Jones back, Francis Beamey is a year, stronger, smarter, higher football IQ. Um, and I think that just, you get fresh blood, you get a new chance, you get a new defensive coordinator who's going to challenge the team to to work a little harder, um, to try new things. Um, I think that the secondary is probably the, start, the strongest part. Maybe not of the whole team, but of the defense for sure. You're getting A.J. Stanley back, who led the team in solo tackles. Uh, you get Jalen Russell back, who was a former freshman, uh, all, freshman All-American, uh, who was lost to injury last season in the first game. Khalid Taylor got a couple of picks last season. Carlton Johnson led the team in picks and pass breakups last season. There's a there's a sneaky good group of talent there in in the secondary. Maybe opponents will be afraid of the secondary and they will try to, to run it down our throats again, just because they're afraid of getting picked off by Carlton, Khalid, and and Jalen Russell.
1: I mean, you think about it. Um, the one thing that stands out to me though is who is defensive coordinator now, and, and elevating Robert to that to that spot is big to me because I mean, you think about the last couple of guys that they had and guys that have really established themselves as solid defensive coordinators, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, Fisher's kid came in, obviously left last year, but, um, and, and Brandon did a de- decent job, you know, just, yeah. you know, building that defense up and, and creating a solid secondary and finding players that, uh, and putting them in positions to be successful. But, um, you know, he obviously was just took a job at Auburn as as something else and the, the allure of power five is obviously what you got to be wary of especially if you have a guy that comes in does a great job and then you have someone like Oregon <laughs> coming and saying hey I'm a coach here but you like what you no do. but but that's I know this That's uh, all the unlucky part of the last couple of years is te- teams take note of that if you have a, su- a successful defense and want to poach your guys but that's why I think Robert coming in and because in, he's been a part of this program you know he you know, he I don't want to say he's loyal but I mean that's that's a big part of it. You know that he's gonna he's gonna think once, twice, three times, maybe four times before taking a job at a yeah. Utah BYU if if he gets that offer and that kind of stuff. And and he knows the players. The players know him. You have to that, exactly. that that connection can't be understated, especially with guys like Jalen coming back and 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 Carlton after having a phenomenal year. The fact that he wasn't a preseason like a second third team was you know wild to me. Mm-hmm. But you know that's just that's what happens when you're at the bottom of the conference. Yeah. I,
0: You make a good points there. I think um, just across all athletics at SU and just across the country, um, the teams that maintain the highest level of chemistry will be the most successful because for one thing, who knows how long we're, the students will be in person, how long students will actually be on campus. You're going to be hanging out with your team a lot. Like I talk about this with the basketball teams all the time. Leadership will be really, really important because you're just going to be hanging out with each other all the time. Like if you have beef, and that spills out onto the court, you know, then your your team's probably going to struggle. Um, but I think that, like you said, Robert Bala is a former SUU linebacker, a former All Conference performer here. Um, his ties are to the university. He 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 has deep roots, deep connection to SUU, which is a very, very, very encouraging sign. Um, and I think that he will be able to make that connection and. I mean, it's just been a hectic summer for everybody, for football players and just regular old people. Like if there was ever a time where you just needed to all band together and, and believe in each other, I think it's now. And I think that there's the, the right coaching staff and leadership in store to make that happen. Um, now, will that translate onto the field? Who knows? Um, sometimes I thought SU last season looked really ready to play, amped up, excited. Other times they just just didn't have it that day. And – Uh, there's there's obvious interest in this town to support the team at the SU football still is the king here for all the success that basketball and the other sports have had Um, they still want to come to SU football games and support SU football and I think that this is the year that they have to pull it back the only question I have though about chemistry and and recruiting and things like that some of the biggest names that we've gotten haven't even stuck around like last year's the Gem of the recruiting class was Remedy Acoteu um, from Alta High School. This really exciting three-star outside linebacker prospect. He ends up transferring to Snow after one season. I don't want to read too much into that one case. I'm just saying in general, it's hard to rebuild the team when you're recruiting these players you're really excited about, and then they either transfer after a year, or they don't pan out because they don't get the chemistry things right. Like like you said, SU has has brought in talent year after year that you 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 can get excited about. Um, but then it hasn't panned out over the four-year span. I think that you, they just need one good year to get the the ball rolling in the right way, and then it'll it'll all start to, to to funnel back in just like it did before, with year after year of successful team.
1: I mean that's that's also part of it too. I mean when you think about the offensive side of things, I mean uh, Chris Helbig could have been here for one last year, but he decided to go to you know Eastern Michigan and leaving SEU with a. Very crowded quarterback room. I mean, it's also exciting to think about that quarterback battle uh, last year when the, yeah. we came in. We all knew Chris was going to be the starter. uh And even it's much to Coach Warren's dismay, where you, if you ask him, you know, who, you know, who's got the leg up in the competition, he'd be like, well, you know, it's, we're still figuring it out. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, it's Chris, but like, like, we can all tell, right? Yeah. But I, but I mean, that's just part of the gamesmanship, which I totally get and totally understand. But, um, but but I think it's a, it would be more interesting this year, especially when I was able to ask him a couple times um, through a couple Zoom calls um, after they postponed the season and all that. Like hey, like what did you think about the quarterback room? And I mean, this is a I mean it's a team that's really high in the guys that they have. I mean yeah. Skidmore's good. You know, Skidmore's got yeah. talent. You saw him in and play, and Justin Miller's there too. And uh, that's a guy that you know, that you think could come in and if he wins a starting job, could play well. He's got experience and that kind of stuff too, playing. Ju- at yeah. JUCO level. And yeah. You also have Zach Hymas, a guy that's been around, yeah. that guy that's looking for that final start at the uh, just a chance to get us to be a starter, <laughs> but also it's understated how much this this coaching staff loves Rand Jensen and that, that kind of guy who yeah. threw like 47 touchdowns in, in high school at Arizona. Like, and you, you see the benefits to all of them, um, especially if you want to start Rand right away and he ends up becoming a, a good starter here. You have him for four years because everybody you, know, you get the year back you know you don't yeah, have to spend have the five year years.
0: <laughs> the year.
1: yeah so you could be like the you could be the next um uh taysom hill spending 30 years at suu <laughs> but, uh, but no the it, i think it's you know it's it's interesting to think about it, especially if they decided to go that route and, yeah uh, they're very high on him and they really like what he could be and i do too i think that's an interesting kid that you bring in you know, bring them in to sit on the bench and and ride the bench for three years, unless you get another knockout quarterback prospect. And um, but it, it'll be interesting, especially with the, yeah. the new eligibility rules this year too.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's how I was about to. Point. And with with COVID nineteen going on, maybe you have a case where a quarterback can't play. I know that that's why like all the NFL teams were snapping up all these Joe Schmo backups just in case you know you have two positive COVID t- cases among the quarterback room and you have to bring somebody else in. I think there'll definitely be chances for all four of those guys you mentioned um to win the spot. And Skidmore is listed as a redshirt sophomore, but uh I think he's he's started two games already and has played in like eight or nine already um so an experienced backup um and now he gets his chance to prove himself. Um let's talk about the offense. The biggest piece that I see you have to replace is obviously Zach Larson who anchored the team for 4 years. Got some NFL buzz. Uh, I think in any other year, it ends up in a training camp at least. You know, um, also PJ Newusa, who was starting offensive lineman, and then you look at Chris Helbig, who Chris Helbig was a good player. Uh, he he could sling the ball. He had a high completion percentage. Um, picked up a bunch of yards. Uh, was was mobile too. He he would surprise you a little bit with his legs. Had a little little bit of pocket presence, but. I don't think that this is like a, oh my gosh, like the coaching staff is so devastated that that they lose Chris Helbig, like obviously a great player, but last season, 12 interceptions and 15 touchdowns. Uh, he's just a little loose with the ball, had some injury issues previously as well. Um, I think that there's, obviously it's a high, high bar to hit. Like it's not like you can just replace your starting quarterback without even doing much uh, effort or much work. But, I mean, Skidmore, the bar is high to hit, but I think it's totally attainable. Um, if he finds a rhythm, doesn't turn the ball over, makes the simple reads, makes good passes, it's totally a bar that you can hit, especially when you bring in all the, the new plays that um, the new coaching staff are going to bring in. Um, and the receiving core, thats what, the reason I'm excited, I will say it now, I'm really excited to see what the offense can do, is you have so many threats and weapons returning. Um, I was gonna say something I shouldn't have, but I mean Thomas Duckett's the first name that jumps off the screen. Uh, he was amazing last season. I he was the one guy that we were when, when we were kind of in the doldrums and we were we were struggling to get high pressure football. That was the guy that we were like, well at least we got Thomas Duckett. and I think he'll he'll play a big role this season. Jay Green Jr. got another year of eligibility, so he will be back. Um, and then when you look at the receiving core. You got Landon Meeson coming back for his senior year. Lance Lawson led the entire conference in receptions. Um, by the way, I think I have a funny stat for you about Lance Lawson. I want to tell you real quick. Um, Lance Lawson led the conference in receptions with 78 catches. The next closest player on the team was Landon Meeson with 28, 50 catches less than the next than uh, Lance Lawson. So they relied pretty heavily on Lance Lawson last season. I think that they will they will do that once again. Um, and also Frank Harris returns from a pretty serious injury. Uh, he was really bright his, his season before he got injured. Uh, John Mitchell also had some good moments. Judd Cockett, always exciting uh, in the slot there. So there's some weapons for this offense. I think that they could definitely make some noise on that end of the ball.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you think about receivers, um Obviously, Judd Cockett's on my first team, all name team. But Mm -hmm. um, when you think about John Mitchell, I think that's a guy that, uh, if he adds a couple pounds, would will be a a really good threat. You think about Frank Harris being a good deep threat, uh, Lance Lawson being a guy that's reliable over the, you know, just reliable to catch the ball, good hands. Yeah, and and even Landon too, you know, being that kind of guy. But if uh, you think about John bulking up, adding some, adding some, just muscle to his frame and and finding because he's tall i mean that's mm-hmm. a that's a tall guy and if you can send him over the middle and i mean defensive backs are gonna think twice about going after a guy that's like what <laughs> six, six three two hundred something but i mean yeah he's a good player and i really like what i saw from him last year from just uh, a versatility point of view where he could go deep but he could also catch balls over the middle and he was reliable i mean as a freshman that's hard that's hard coming in and playing as much as he did and he did really well i'm really surprised uh, at it, it how he did, and I'm really excited to see the, the role that the offense puts on him going forward, especially with you know, Lance. I mean, that dude, I'm surprised that they didn't run that. What was it, that, that? That like bubble screen where they just like just <laughs> people just go block for Lance, yeah, just go block and they let him make a play. And he would just squirrel around for like 30 yards. And uh, um, and I love that. I, I love that out of that guy. I mean, he's yeah. a reliable dude, and you know, he 50. brings an attitude, too. Um, and he's productive and obviously it depends on who's at quarterback and, and the kind of style that they try to adopt. If do the same thing, you know, kind of uh, adopt a quick short passing game to kind of replace that ground pound run game and kind of get yards that way. Yeah. Then he'll be, he'll have the same, like he'll have like 70 catches again. That's not, a, that's not a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fact. It's fact.
0: Yeah. In six games, if he get 70 catches, I'll lose my mind. <laughs> um, it's also interesting to note that Lance Lawson, I think, has thrown three touchdown passes during his career at SU, all on the Philly special, uh, or the the Cedar special, as that's they call the it.
1: Special. Yeah, that's the, that's the Cedar special. Uh, the T-Bird special, whatever you want to call it.
0: If if you're a Big Sky opponent, and I, I don't want to spoil this trick play that SCU loves to run, but if you see Lance Lawson running <laughs> a, a reverse on the goal line, he's going to pass it. <laughs> uh, you got to keep an eye out for that, but... I will say that there's um there's a certain energy to having good skill players. Like y- you can win a few games with kind of whatever quarterback play and some really, really special um skill players. If you have really great quarterback play, then maybe you can even and that's not to to disparage your beloved Chicago Bears, Chris.
1: That's exactly where I was thinking here. <laughs> keep going, keep going.
0: Um who are are they five and one without um any decent quarterback play?
1: um they happened to lose to the rams last night we're not going to yes, talk about it we, we
0: shouldn't talk about that i'm sorry but uh where i was going was just that it, there's so many good options to for who to throw the ball to who to hand the ball off to um what really will come down to is the play of number one the quarterback but also of the offensive line who have multiple starters to replace and you know, i thought for the most part last season was solid um in the big games the offensive line definitely struggled to to buy the quarterback some time but in the in the kind of ground and pound games the regular season you're not top 15 opponent games i thought that the offensive offensive line held its own um, but if there's a place where i feel like the offense could implode or, or what the obstacle to becoming effective in the spring i think that it is the offensive line just given the the experience that you're replacing with Zach Larson
1: I mean, if you want to talk about one guy that's that I really think flies under the radar is, is, is Braxton, Braxton Jones. I mean, that's a dude yeah. that's the starter last year that played really well. And, and I mean, he doesn't get the accolades because like we mentioned before, um, you know, if you're a starter on a bad team, people are going to overlook you for um, a, a decent starter or elsewhere. And, and, and it kind of stinks because he played really well. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about the consistency of the offensive line. Obviously, Zach was just a monster. He's a, He was just a mauler. He was a dude that was many would consider undersized, but he still was strong. So strong, and, yeah. That I think, I don't want to say we took that for granted, but um, at the end of the day, you have to replace him. But when I think of Braxton Jones, that's why I think people are going to write off the, the SU offensive line just because, you know, they lose their best key, but, or they get their best player, but they're not going to be that far off because Braxton Jones is there. I mean, that's a dude that's been starting for a couple of years now and, Uh, You just need to fill pieces around him. There's other starters, too. So, I mean, I I don't think that it's that far off.
0: Yeah, and I think the line on offensive and defensive front has been a priority in recruiting over the last few seasons, and I think we'll see those players continue to develop and be strong. Um, Just a couple other notes on this team. Um, last They have four kickers currently on the roster, Uh, four kickers slash punters, Last season as a team, overall, they were 6 of 18 on field goal attempts. Um, one kicker, Kakoa Sasoka, was 2 for 11 on all field goal attempts last season. He was 35 for 36 on extra points, though, so uh, he was solid there. They did not bring the punter from last season back. Um, they So their special team is going to be an area, too, where it's... Like, you know, Jugcock is a great returner, um, but what's the kicking game, field position thing going to be like? That's something I'm a little a little concerned about. And also just... I think the depth is going to be really important for every team. Um, it doesn't look like case numbers are really slowing down. And if there's an insistence on playing in the fall, it's not even like a controversial thing to say. It's just like a it, based on the evidence we have, like you're going to have positive COVID-19 cases from what we've seen from the other power five schools in the fall.
1: Well, not even that, but I mean, you just look 50 miles South at Dixie state. You know, yeah, they they were just
0: canceled there. the scrimmage. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're supposed to have that. And then they had 13 confirmed cases, maybe more pending tests and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, um, it's just that's just that's the time we live in right now. I mean, it stinks to say, but I mean, that's the stuff you need to keep keep in mind. And that's the part where, I mean, if you were going to have a year with like 30 kickers, this would be it. Just because (laughs) and at the end, but at the end of the day, I mean, like you guys, I mean, uh Manny's a good kicker he came on in the second half and and it was was solid but at the end of the day the the guy that they just signed from Pineview High School AJ McCarroll is he was a dependable guy he was a very dependable guy at the high school level um something that I I mean I watched him a couple times and watched him kick game-winning field goals so I mean uh the kid's the kid's got nerves of steel. He's yeah. good. And I think in a couple of years, he'll be, he will be a good kicker. He just needs to you know work on his leg or get a little stronger. Yeah. That's just that. That's a kid that you have and you groom behind, you know, already established kickers like Manny.
0: Yeah. I, I hope that they're, they can lock that in because we talk about the bad breaks from last season. A lot of them were just cause we missed field goals, <laughs> like on possessions that deserved points. We just didn't get points. Um, and, That's how much can the head coach really do about that in that situation? You know, so that's I think that that buys Demo a little bit of slack um, going into this season. Um, Are there any of those freshmen that you remember seeing during their time in high school that you expect might have an impact here at SCU in their first season?
1: The only other guy that really comes to mind for me is Isaiah Moten, who was at Pineview too. Um, That part of that really good team last year uh he was a factor in all phases of the game. He was a good defensive back, he was a good wide receiver. Uh and he was a good kick returner too. Obviously, Judd's there, maybe he could sit behind Judd and learn a little bit more of the return game and how that mm-hmm. process works and but the one thing I would be really interested in seeing him get more of a ton, or more of a opportunity, really as special teams just maybe punt like um being a gunner on punt returns yeah. that kind of stuff, the kickoff guy just run and go tackle the dude, and he he's good at that. He was good at that at Pineview, but he also got like like eight interceptions playing safety too, like his wow. senior year. And yeah, the guy the guys he's a ball hawk, but I mean obviously there's a difference when you're playing, you know, uh, Dixie High School as opposed to playing um, Beaver State or Montana. I mean those guys are obviously <laughs> step up and con- competition is is not the same. Yeah, but. Crimson
0: Cliffs a little different than Eastern Washington. Just a slight bit. A little, little jump. <laughs> well, I don't want to pin you in a prediction, but what if we were to say hypothetically in an ideal world, a successful season for SU in spring looks like what to Chris Kwasinski?
1: A successful season is 500, is winning, okay. is winning the games that you play at home. I assume they're going to be three three games home, three games on the road. I would guess um, so yeah and 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 it's winning the games at home that's successful it's showing you can defend defend your home turf you can play well here um you can you know you can take pride in the fact that you're playing in your home field um and obviously like we said it depends on the schedule depends on who they get and that kind of stuff and um if the biggest the biggest thing is just catching a break and it stinks that it's out of their hands when it comes to making the schedule but but at the same time like that's uh, that's just the the hand that they've been dealt, and, and to me, successful is three and three. Because I don't know how many teams are going to make the playoff. I don't know what constitutes a playoff team in a, in a six game pandemic season. But um, I think it, I think it's interesting to think about, especially if you want to set the bar, which is what Demo uh, said last year at the end of the year. You know, they won majority of their games at home. They beat the teams that they needed to beat. They would have been they would have won four games at home if they you know would have converted a short field goal against. Uh, Cal Poly and won yep. in overtime. Well, you know that's that's success for me. Just three and three, showing that you can be competitive.
0: Yeah, I, I want to point out um, there are actually thirteen teams in the Big Sky. I keep saying that there are twelve and that they should just divide in two. So the idea is that everyone plays a six game schedule, not necessarily. That's that's all we know, right?
1: Well, you you know that um, I can't remember which which school it was. You might have to look this up really quick. Um, okay, but. It might be Sac State or Portland State, which decided they're not going to play in the spring. Oh,
0: yeah. It's, um, I know that Portland State isn't playing any. Okay. That's, uh, that's definitely a yeah. school,
1: obviously, because that takes it from a 13-team league to 12. So it's the 6-6 six and six kind of fits right there. But
0: Yes. I'm, I'm trying to remember if it's Portland State or Sac State, and now it's going to bug me
1: here we go the sacramento will be reported sacramento state football team will play in the big sky spring league so uh that was from october 15th so um which i mean i kind of i i'm kind of surprised not many other teams have have done that
0: oh yeah you're right so sacramento state well i just saw something from two weeks ago that says they won't play in the big sky spring league
1: that that's what i saw oh
0: oh i thought you said that they would okay
1: oh no no yeah they no they're yeah which which again surprised me i thought more teams would opt out too but You know, they love
0: you. So, yeah, Sac State not going to play. Sac State's the team that's not going to play, so that's why there's 12 competing. Um, I've even seen recently, like, I'm just seeing a news story now that Eastern Washington's still kind of weighing their options. I mean, it's still, there's still plenty of time. I think, I don't think that they're going to start playing anytime soon. I would guess that they would want to play maybe towards, like, the tail end of basketball season. So maybe we see start, like, in February, March time. Um, either way thank you Chris for all your your opinions on SU football SU athletics in general I want to just talk to you just briefly before we close the show out about the existential threat um, that SU is facing right now in the form of recently division one advanced Dixie State University um, this is something I talk about just with people around campus uh, I mean Dixie State just they pose a, a threat there's a lot of recruits um that could potentially be choosing between Dixie State and SU. and now the Dixie State has this division 1 um fully across the board D1 they're getting all these upgraded facilities and things i just wanted to to poke your brain not poke your brain pick your brain i don't want to poke your brain uh just about uh <laughs> about what that uh impact might be for Dixie State on SU, do you, as you're making the rounds to preps things, do you notice like, oh, seems like there's a little more Dixie State love from this certain recruiter or whatever? What's the feeling like been for you?
1: I mean, it, I don't want to say that it, that there's, you know, not, not that huge threat, um, because most recently with the news that SU might consider a move to the WAC, mm-hmm. that to me tells me all I need to know about the existential threat that Dixie State has to SUU which means I mean if you're going to go from playing a team that's 50 miles up north just once every year to competing against them in the same conference yeah. like that that mean that to me tells me all I need to know and um, I don't want to say that I've given or I've gotten a, a vibe from recruits and that kind of stuff about if they prefer SUU or DSU and what and what have you whatnot and that kind of stuff but um, them going D1 and, and having the new facilities that they have and um, having the coaching staff uh, with Coach Paul Pearson, you know a guy that's yeah. experienced. He played at Boston College. Uh, he, he played at Snow. He understands the JUCO route. I mean, that's a guy that he gets it. He's a, he's a good guy and he gets it, and, um, and he's willing to do what it takes to win uh, and develop players in that way. Cody Willstead's a guy that I think of at Dixie State right now, who went to BYU, uh, was part of that log jam at quarterback uh, when mm-hmm. uh, Tanner Magnum finally left, and uh, it's Magnum.
0: Not Magnum. Magnum. <laughs> Don't you a, dare yeah. take Tanner's name like that. You say uh, it right.
1: <laughs> Tanner the God. But uh but no, he he got caught up in that log jam and when they went um a, 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 with a different starter, he, you know, transferred when Juco. and then when Dixie State came up as an option and that's a guy that also had offers from like Louisville, also had an interest from Notre Dame. Wow. wow. Yeah, I mean, Yeah, that's So that's I mean, a huge you player, have, yeah. Yeah, that's the guy that you think of as like, hey, maybe the, that's that's a D one player already, and you had him at the D two level. Now he's back to being D one, and um, you have to think about players like that that are on that Dixie State team because there are, there are a few of them. Um, if they still had Dewan Dansler at wide receiver, I would say, yikes, that'd be a like <laughs> that's a tough matchup because he was a, he was a tall guy, can make catches over the middle, mm-hmm. but also he was fast. There's like multiple times I saw him record over 200 yards receiving in a game. I mean, he was just good. The fact that he didn't get at least like one or two NFL sniffs was kind of wild to me. But at the end of the day, like he obviously graduated. So yeah. that's not the threat's not there anymore. But,
0: but they were able um, to get kids like that before they were even D1. So think of what the potential might be once they're already at the level, right?
1: Exactly. So that, that's also the thing of it. Um, and when you talk about the heat of the heat of the moment with everything going on, Um, they're, they're really not Dixie state that is, isn't really in that much of a financial struggle, uh, because they, they weren't banking on getting a lot of conference money because of being in that four-year transitional period. So I I know it's a little, um, something that they're like, you know, we don't really have to worry about this. Um, we don't, we don't have to worry about the money. Uh, whereas, you know, SUU had to cut its tennis programs because of the the pandemic and that kind of stuff too. So it's different and it's difficult. And when you think about it, it, it is, I don't want to say they do pose a threat, but um, all signs are pointing to like, Hey, you know, <laughs> they're, the SU's thinking about it. They're yeah. thinking about it. Especially if the WAC gets a football league off the ground, like they've been talking about and, and SU makes a jump. I think that's, that is the biggest story right now, maybe for the next 10 years, if about what happens with that, because that reverberates you know, and yeah. moving from, one conference to the next isn't something SCU has done a lot, but I mean, going well, from.
0: Uh, actually, in SCU's history, they have moved conferences quite a few times. I think that's just. Yeah,
1: but you've had conferences that, that moved or they the, just that just disbanded
0: uh, or whatever, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they disbanded. So it wasn't like it was their choice. Like this, is, this would firmly be their choice. Yes. This is, and, and I know a lot of people to talk about that too. Um, you know, what what are they gonna do? You know, and I know there's that newsletter that came out um three, four weeks ago saying this is happening. It is firmly happening as you use leaving the big sky for the whack. And I'm not to disparage that reporting, because no, because it was it was I really trust that person's reporting. Uh I, I know him from his time at SB Nation. I remember reading a lot of them and especially his work getting FOIA's and grammar requests and that kind of stuff through. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing, and if he has a strong feeling about it, then he obviously got that confidence from sources. And But at the end of the day, I still think the ball is in SU's court, and that's not something they've – like you mentioned, you know, they've been in conferences that shuttered, that shut down, that yeah. changed, that realigned, and that kind of stuff. But um, the, the statement that President White sent out was the end-all, be-all, which is if we're moving, we need to go somewhere that has football. And if the WAC finds football, then – that's a conversation you have
0: to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot to, to weigh there. I, I just think about how, just even in going to the few high school games I've been to, the St. George hmm. schools are clearly powerhouses compared to the teams in Cedar city. I, I, I just overall, because there's like seven schools in St. George, right? Like it's just such a pool of talent. There's just so many, I mean, that's not to disrespect my Cedar reds who, who are a very good team. Um, I just think that when you have so many more high schools, you have so many more prospects, you have so many more guys coming through, Um, and now with the way that players are transferring so frequently, like I could play at super cold SUU, or I could play at super new facilities, super warm all year, super big party reputation, Dixie State, you know? So I think that there's definitely a threat there. Um, I don't know. I, I I think that... The, the feeling I get, at least, is that SU is just weighing their options. I, I don't know what the long-term play of the whole whack thing will be. But for now, at least, we know that SU is going to play in spring. They're going to give it their best shot, and this will be huge for their future no matter what it looks like, no matter what conference they end up being in or what. Um, this next season is one of the most important, not only for SU, just for, for every school. Uh, if you can make the playoff this year, you're you're maybe saving your – your tennis team, you know, or I, I hate to say that just because you just recently cut their tennis team. But for example, you know, you, you could no, literally it's... be saving a program just by the the revenue that you generate. So huge season for SU. I'm really excited about what they they can bring to the table. Um, Chris, I want to say thank you for taking the time to join me. Do you have other, do you have any final thoughts or any last things you just want to speak out into the ether at this moment?
1: It's the universe. Uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting time for every single major sport and I mean that when I look at the big sky schedule see how they do back-to-backs now yeah um, when I think about how the potential is for uh, the NCAA tournament and the fact that when you think about basketball I think they're better equipped this year to make the tournament than they were last year Mm -hmm. and then like you said that's that's a that's a program saving thing. If you can make the NCAA tournament, especially in big in SU's case, I don't think they win the conference, but I mean come tournament time, you never know, yeah. but at the same time that that also aligns with football, playing the six team schedule that also aligns with the women's basketball team, uh, you know, seemingly improving every single year. Um, it's just going to be, it's a wild, it's a wild ride to watch. And I mean, it really feels like it was just yesterday. I was sitting there in August, saying, "Well, there's no football schedule," and now it's the beginning of November. Like time is flying. Yeah, and sports are around the corner. So I mean, just buckle up,
0: buckle up, audience. Yeah.
1: Yes, and just, make it'll be a wild ride. Games are going to get canceled because of COVID. Like stuff's going to go wrong. But uh, at the end of the day, like that's the 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 risk is there but I mean if you think about it if you want to save your program that's what the tournament and many different aspects can provide you so it's wild it's a wild time for college sports really
0: It really is especially with all the eligibility stuff they get to come back next year without losing a year of eligibility that's huge like the transfer one year transfer rule it seems like that's on the chopping block soon <laughs> it's just such a revolutionary time in college athletics just in the world right now so um look forward to that Chris I want to say thank you I want to tell the audience to follow him on Twitter it is at Ocho K underscore or is it just at Ocho K at Ocho K underscore and make sure to read him in the St. George spectrum Um, and we'll be back next week with more SCU Athletics Talk thank you again Chris thank you for having me All right. bye audience